Welcome to the Harvest Seymour podcast. Come check us out and see how God is moving in this community. If you would like to know more, check out our Facebook page or you can visit us at hcfseymour.org. Have a wonderful day. How many of y'all enjoyed Pastor Jackie last week? Wasn't that awesome? So, so thrilled to have him. He, uh, he was incredibly thrilled by, by what he was experiencing here. He said it was so obvious that the favor of the Lord is on this place. And, uh, and man, we've got a wonderful thing going. Amen? So why don't you find two places in your Bible, Matthew 17 and Mark 9. That's why your Bible comes with a string. You can put a string in one place and open it to another, but start with Matthew 17. And while you're turning there, let me just say, in, in spite of all the problems in the world today, it is a great time to be alive. It is, I mean, Jesus is doing so many unique things in the earth, man. It is phenomenal time to be alive. And uh, so, man, I tell you what, we can look forward to the future with joy and, and optimism. He's on the move. In the year 2020, I mean, there's so many, I, I, I tell you what, there's probably a lot of churches doing 2020 vision series, amen, because number one, it's like a perfect setup for preachers, you know, but, uh, but, but we've been in this vision series, and let me just say that, that I believe the Lord has given us a God-breathed vision. And, and what our vision is, is right up back there on that wall over the doors. I have a vision for revival. What, what is revival? It's not just a meeting. It, it's, it's, it's so much more. See, a, a, a meeting might just be a moment, but a revival is a movement. You see the difference? You see, a revival is when the activity of God is so apparent, you can't deny it, that it's not just limited to, to the four walls, what happens inside the four walls of a church, but it's actually almost like a virus, a Jesus virus that gets on people, and it starts to spread, and it doesn't stop just because you're in a box, but it just it goes with you everywhere where we see people turning and returning to the Lord. Amen? And so that's our, our, our vision. And he's also given us a work to do, connecting real people to a real God, that we could participate with the Lord and seeing people come into a real relationship with King Jesus. How many of you understand Holy Spirit, everything Holy Spirit does is to bring people closer to Jesus. That's completely what Holy Spirit does. And so whenever we talk about connecting real people to a real God, that's actually our partnership in doing what he's been doing all along. Amen? That's kind of like saying, God, okay, I agree to the process. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so while he's given us this, this vision and he's given us this work, while he's called us for, towards revival and he's given us this work of connecting real people to a real God, how many of you also understand that he's really interested in who we are becoming? He's very interested in who we are becoming. When Abraham was first called by the Lord into the vision that 
that, that God was given him. His name was Abram. He was, Abram means exalted father. But as he walked out this journey with the Lord and following a voice, somewhere along the way, the Lord renamed him and called him Abraham, which means father of a multitude. How many of you understand that that exalted father is different than father of a multitude? And so in his journey of following the Lord, of chasing that vision, there was like an identity shift that took place. How many of you know that it was always in the father's heart for Abram to realize he's Abraham? In the same way, whenever Peter had an encounter with Jesus, you know, his name was originally Simon. And Simon, that name means reed, which the picture is, is that as the, reed, as the wind would blow, the reed would flow. According to the emotional temperature of the room, that reed was just going to bend. But here's what happens. In that encounter with Jesus, he says, no longer are you Simon, I'll call you Peter. That you will be a rock. It's hard to blow rocks in the wind, right? And so in that encounter with Jesus, he was, he was saying, man, no longer will you be fishers of fish, you're going to be fishers of men. He gives him this amazing vision, and then he says, by the way, you're a rock. I bet Andrew, his brother, is going like, do you know who my brother is? But see, Andrew knew his brother after the flesh, but Jesus saw him from the perspective of the Father. Are you tracking with me today? And so in a journey of going after the vision of the Lord's heart, he's really interested in who we are becoming. And so whenever we talk about those things, whenever we talk about who we are becoming, that really speaks to the core values that we've been going through. That we would be a that we would live the Jesus centered life. As a, right back here on that back wall, that Jesus would be the center of every element of our life. Can I just say that statement is huge? That is so huge. I mean, whenever you make Jesus the center of your life, my goodness, what does that mean? <laughs> yeah. Everything, yeah. And then you go on to like, God is good. I want, I want you to know most, most non-Christians and, and even in some cases, Christians believe God is not good. As a matter of fact, he's angry. Mo, that's, that's the natural disposition of most people believe that the Father is angry with them. Not really knowing that the Father actually gave Jesus that all of the wrath of God might be poured out upon him so that we might know our Father's embrace. God is actually good. Amen. And then we talked about loving people well. Not just with the good old boy kind of love. But with supernatural the denying of our own selfishness kind of love. The laying down of our life. 
And so how many of you know those things have a way of forming and informing of the kind of people we want to be? Amen? And so today we're going to take it another step further into the fourth value here. Nothing is impossible. Nothing is impossible. So let's start right here, Matthew 17, verse 20. So Jesus said to them, Because of your unbelief, for assuredly I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, Move from here to there, and it will move. And nothing will be impossible for you. Let's pray. Lord, today, I just ask God for the opening up of our minds and our hearts. Lord, for our mind to be renewed according to your truth. Jesus, that we would look upon you and know and believe that all things are possible. Lord, and that we would surrender all doubts, Lord. Jesus, that we would be the kind of people that would boldly take your hand and walk out on the water, God. Lord, I just ask, Father, for the unveiling of your word today, God. Let it settle on our hearts, God. Thank you, Jesus. We love you. Amen. So I had you find two places, Mark 17, or I'm sorry, Matthew 17 and, and Mark 9. And, uh, and what this is, this is um, Matthew's version and Mark's version of the same story. Uh, the Bible scholars call this parallels. And so whenever you hold two parallels, you got Mark's side of the story and you got Matthew's side of the story. When you put both of those sides of the story together, you get a more full picture of what's going on in this moment. And so that's what we're doing today. We're going to hold these side by side and pull out some truth so that we can see what it is to step out into the realm of the impossible becoming possible and see God move. Now, I want to say also that this sermon is probably not going to be what you think. So please bear with me. Okay, because we are heading somewhere. But my hope is, is that today we would answer some hard questions. Because as a pastor, I know that we all pray prayers and nothing happens. We've prayed prayers and been heartbroken. We've prayed prayers and nothing happened and we've had major setbacks. But at the same time, you look out at life and you go like, well, why do they pray and they get their prayers answered? Why do they glow in the dark when they pray, you know? And so there's an obvious tension there, right? And so what ends up happening to us, we'll, a lot of times we'll either condemn ourselves or, or judge ourselves or, or we think everybody else is going to judge us if we can't do X, Y, Z, you know? And it's like this crazy tension. You know, God, I've been praying for this, but they still passed away. How many of you know that is hard stuff? Incredibly hard stuff to negotiate. And so we don't always handle that tension well. Now I want to give two uh, disclaimers before I get going. Or not disclaimers, or I want two things I want to be really clear about. I'm 100% pro-doctor, okay? <laughs> Go to the doctor. 
Can I get an amen on that? I'm also 100% prayer. And God moves through prayer, amen? I'm 100% behind both. So don't ever misconstrue anything I'm saying. Don't hear anything I ain't saying. Amen? So I just wanted to get that out there, okay? But I want to tell you that the Bible carries tremendous timeless truth. And I want to give four truths this morning, but I want to set the stage for it. So Peter, James, and John, and Jesus have just finished having this amazing moment. I mean, it was the Mount of Transfiguration. I mean, they saw, they saw Jesus' physical form transform right before their eyes. And when I joke a lot about glowing in the dark, he did, okay? He was glowing. I mean, he saw, they saw his physical form uh, uh, be transfigured. And, and actually, some commentators actually believe that when Jesus came down the mountain, he was still glowing. And it makes sense because verse 15, you see all these people running to him going, it's amazing, oh my gosh. That's how I read it in the scripture, anyhow. <laughs> but anyhow, but so all of these people are coming to him quickly and they were amazed by him. But then there's this side conversation going on. And there's four groups of people that are there that particular day. There's the scribes, you know, the haters. The onlookers, just the bystanders. There were the disciples. And then there was a desperate dad with his desperate son. And so the, they, this desperate dad and a son had come to the disciples and said, please heal my son. He needs to be delivered. He's been demonized. And, and, they, and they couldn't do it. They they were couldn't figure out why they couldn't get the breakthrough. Anybody ever been there? Okay. Couldn't figure out why nothing was happening. Because stuff was happening, and then all of a sudden, now it ain't happening. You know, God, you're messing up my formula. This was working so well, and now it's not. Amen? And so then from there... So that was the kind of the experience leading up to it. And then, and then now, here's Jesus on the scene. And, here, and the, the scribes are having this side conversation. Well, I tell you what, I mean, if they had anything going on, I'll tell you, they'd be able to deliver him. No, I don't know if I believe in this old Jesus stuff. I'll tell you, you know, this, I don't know about all this. Place. Doesn't he know the word of God? I mean, you know, there's haters, okay? So what does Jesus do? What are you boys talking about? And you know what they did? Zoop. They said nothing. But then the dad speaks up. The dad speaks up. And he says, I brought my son to your disciples. And they couldn't help him. And so now in verse 17 of Matthew... Jesus is going to address all four groups. And this is what he says. Now, these are words in red. So if you're going to get offended with anybody, I'm just saying. Oh, faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him here to me. 
So here's the first truth. Bunch of perverts. <laughs> That's the first truth. Now hang with me. Don't let your mind go south. I'm taking you somewhere. I said that just for my own entertainment. <laughs> no, really. But, he, but that's what he says, oh, perverse generation. Okay? Now, I want to suggest to you that maybe the big problem is not with faith, but with perversion. And I'm not talking about in the sexual sense. I'm not, that's not what I'm going at. But in, in the literal sense, the literal word perversion, what he's saying here is, is this is a compound word, twisted through. Twisted through. So a perverse generation would be a people who are twisted through. Twisted through their thoughts. Twisted through their hearts, their emotions, their thought life. Twisted through lies of the enemy. Twisted through cultural norms. Twisted through status quo. Twisted through uh, religion that says that kind of thing doesn't happen anymore. Twisted through the war of science versus faith. Let me just pause for a moment. There shouldn't be a war there. Science is designed to be the study of God in nature. Can you bear with me just one moment? I got to say this. But like, I use Star Wars as an illustration quite a bit, okay? So just bear with me, okay? But you know how in Star Wars, they have, they have this, all of this radical new technology, science, whatever going on. But at the same time, they all honor the force. And you see like they kind of, they, in that movie, they kind of work together. You have this, all this technology traveling galaxies and all that. But at the same time, they believe in the force. At the same time, I think it could be just a prophetic picture of what a New Testament believer can enjoy all of the radical things that science offers and still believes that we serve this amazing, all-powerful God. So I got that out. Okay. But we get twisted. Twisted in our thoughts. And see, I don't really think the problem is the size of the faith. So much as what's gotten twisted. That's not like Christ. Because Jesus says, look, all it takes is a mustard seed. All it takes is a mustard How many of you know, have ever seen a mustard seed? It's tiny. You can lose it and never find it again. I mean, it's that kind of tiny. And he's saying that all it takes is a mustard seed that has the ability to move mountains. It don't take all that much. But I think what we might need to think about here is actually getting untwisted and getting our minds renewed to actually think scripturally, to actually think like Jesus would think about things. Can somebody say, get me untwisted, Jesus? <laughs> Unpretzel me, you know? Now look over here at Mark. This is back to the desperate dad. and I want to look at Mark 9, verse 23. 
Jesus said to him, this is the dad he's talking to. If you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. Immediately the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. Here's the second truth. Honest faith. Honest faith. Now, because we know how this story ends, this dad, in this moment, had mustard seed faith. Right? He got a healed son. So, this dad had mountain-moving faith. While his heart was in this place of, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. Tears streaming down his face. That's what the scriptures say. He's saying, God, I believe, but help my unbelief. In that moment, mountain-moving faith was in him. The honest heart and mind of a desperate dad God, I believe, but I'm terrified right now. God, I believe, but but nothing looks like it's going to work out. This dad is not a name it, claim it guy. But you just need to believe. Claim it in Jesus' name. Sometimes I want to tell those kind of folks just to shut up. Can I be honest? He is being honest and he's being sincere. Sincere. He's being honest with what's happening in his heart. Jesus, I believe, but I'm I'm terrified because we've been here a long time. I see what I see a lot of people do that I think actually sabotages themselves. is that they're trying to claim great faith but are in denial with what's happening in their heart. You know, you can't hide from God what's happening in your heart. God cares for every square inch of your heart, even the unbelieving parts, even the parts that are twisted. He wants to address it. But denial doesn't help anything. You know, God can handle you going, God, I believe, but I'm scared right now. He can handle that. And our prayers might be a little bit more productive if we were just honest with ourselves and Him. So Jesus says, or I'm sorry, they say, I got Jesus, I got a problem. And Jesus says, I know, do you want my help? Yes. And so through that dad's honesty, he got untwisted. Maybe we should just say, Jesus, I'm a hot mess right now, and I need you. I don't know what to do, but I come to you now. Now check out what Jesus does immediately after that confession of honesty. Look what happens in verse 25. When Jesus saw the people were coming and 
came running together. He rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to him, Deaf and dumb spirit, I command you, come out of him and enter him no more. Then the spirit cried out, convulsed him greatly, and he came out of him and became as one as, as one dead, so that many said, He is dead. <laughs> he dead. But, but Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up, and he arose. So this desperate dad's honesty, honest faith, made a way. He got out of denial, he was honest, and he allowed Jesus to deal with his heart. You see, whenever we keep on denying what's happening in our heart, many times we prevent Jesus' access to our heart. The longer we ignore it is like putting up a wall to, to letting Jesus in and have those parts of our heart. Are you with me? Is this making sense? See, part of the key to seeing the impossible become possible is getting honest about our heart so that we can have honest faith. Now let's flip back to Matthew 17, verses 19 through 21. Then the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, Why could we not cast it out? That ain't fair. I had a good ministry going. So Jesus said to them, Because of your unbelief, for assuredly I say to you, If you have faith as a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, Move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. However, this kind does not go out except by prayer and fasting. And here's the third truth. Faith, authority, and intimacy. These three work together, and these could actually be a sermon all by themselves. But I'm going to try to break this down. And so the disciples are asking the question, why couldn't we cast it out? You see, Jesus had already given the disciples a measure of authority to go ahead and cast out demons. They had actually been successful casting out demons. They had actually been doing ministry, but then all of a sudden, they ran into a hard situation that they couldn't handle. It's like, you know, it always worked whenever I said in Jesus' name, and now it's not, you know. <laughs> some of y'all laughing. Some of y'all get that. But my formula is no longer working. And so this, this part right here is the next level of understanding regarding faith. Are you with me? So they'd been casting out demons and now they couldn't. See, like, have you ever had an amazing breakthrough in one area, in a set of circumstances, and then you think you come back to the same set of circumstances, you think this ought to work just perfect, and it doesn't? Well, that was the case here. So their faith level at that time couldn't deal with the problem. It didn't carry enough authority. That was the problem. You remember the centurion? Remember that guy? The faith of the centurion? Whenever, whenever he comes, to, he sends his delegation to Jesus and says, Hey, I need you to pray for my servant. And he goes, and Jesus says, sure, I'll head in, head in your way. 
And then another delegation comes, nope, we don't need you to come. But you just say the word because I know that if you say the word, it'll happen. I, too, am a man under authority, and I recognize that you are under authority. So if you just say the word, it'll happen. And then Jesus goes, wow, oh, my goodness. I have never seen such faith in all of Israel. Okay, you with me? And so they were not walking in enough faith that carried the authority to deal with that. Anybody offended yet? Just checking, okay. See, your faith carries a measure of authority based upon what you've heard and are hearing from Jesus. Romans 10, 17 says, Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by word of Christ. Okay? Great faith is not about you working harder. Great faith is really about receiving. here's Here's where I'm headed at. Your faith carries a measure of authority according to what you are hearing from Jesus, to what you have received from Jesus. Your faith is something that you can grow. And your faith can get stronger, your faith can get more powerful, and it can actually blossom with great authority. But it's not about your ability to perform, it's about your ability to receive. Okay, I got a illustration for you. So I got I got three dollars right here. Everybody go, woo! I mean, yeah, <laughs> man. So Dee Dee. Man, he's got a lot of faith. He's got, he's going to have $1 faith. And he has to have an open hand ready to receive $1 faith. Okay? That $1 didn't come from him. It came from me. Who earned it? He didn't earn it. He just received it. Okay? In the same way, Brant over here. He got him some $2 faith. Okay? He didn't earn it. He didn't work for it. But I placed, I'm, I'm giving it to him. He put himself, look, at he's just wanting it bad. You know, he's got himself in a receiving posture, a receiving posture, right? And all he's got to do is, is catch it. That's all he's got to do. So he received it. It did not originate with them. I'm coming back for it. But it did not originate with them, but it came from it came from someone. It came from someone. Now, y'all hold tight. Let's come back to this deal where Jesus said, This come does not come out except by prayer and fasting. See, prayer and fasting are the tools of intimacy with Jesus. Prayer and fasting puts me in this abiding place 
of connection with Jesus. And so what Jesus is doing, he's inviting his disciples to come and be intimate with me. Come to know my heart. Make room in your life for intimacy with me. Because as you get close to me, your capacity to hear my voice is going to grow. And as your capacity grows, you're going to be able to handle more faith. And as my faith increases, my spiritual authority increases. Now, let's just say, let's just look at, okay, here you got Didi, Mr. One Dollar Faith. Over here, you got Brant, Two Dollar Faith. But let's just say, D decides to commit a lot, his life, just to seeking the Lord, prayer and fasting, seeking God. And as he, as, as, and so, Brand over here says, I can live off of $2 faith, I'm good. Man, that's awesome, it's great. But over here, the hunger in Didi begins to take over. And as he grows his capacity, the Lord drops hundred dollars faith you go like well jesus that ain't fair to him who has more shall be given jesus is a little bit of a capitalist i'm sorry and so so to him who hungers and thirsts for righteousness they shall be filled And it's not necessarily that we perform and jump through hoops. It's, it's that I want to go be with Jesus. And as I make being with Jesus the focal point of my life, my capacity to hold his word, to hold what he's speaking, I become a great receiver. So faith is actually something you can grow. You go, well, my faith is weak. It doesn't mean it will be tomorrow. Now give me my money back. <laughs> you see, as I get untwisted and I'm honest about my heart and I decide to grow my faith through intimacy with Jesus, Those are powerful things, but there's still a truth remaining here that I think is probably, man, it's been rocking my world, and I hope it rocks your world too. Go back to Mark 9. You know, the disciples didn't get the breakthrough. This desperate dad is the one that got the breakthrough. And so this is the dad talking. We'll pick it up right in the middle of verse 22. This is the dad talking. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. Jesus said to him, if you can believe, all things 
are possible to him who believes. And so here's the fourth truth of great faith. It's the compassion of Jesus. The compassion of Jesus. The word compassion is a compound word in the Greek. The C-O-M, com, just means with. And passion is to suffer. And so this dad is there saying, will you get into this boat of suffering with us? Will you come into this dark place of our life? Will you meet me here? Will you have compassion? I want you to know there's nobody better to ask for compassion from than Jesus. No one has more compassion than Jesus. He is love. This moment with Jesus wasn't just a demonstration of faith and authority, but it was a demonstration of the radical compassion and love of Jesus. He doesn't want to come do miracles and just go, Woo, look at me. His miracle working hand is about a display of his love. There's no greater power than the love of Jesus. And Jesus tells this dad, if you can believe, if you can trust me with your heart, if you can just have this size of faith, I can get you there, son. This size. That's all I'm asking. The dad says, I trust you as much as I can. And with tears streaming down his faith, he says, but help me where I don't. Help me. Lord, I believe. I believe that much, but help me where I don't. And he brings all of his fears and doubts to Jesus. So Jesus leads him out of their boat of suffering. He takes them by the hand. And they begin to walk on the water into the realm of the impossible. His son gets delivered. See, I think what happens to us is we get duped into the religious faith game. We perform, judge ourselves, judge others. We fake ourselves out, have twisted thoughts, live in heart denial, lie to ourselves, or stay confused, not realizing that all of this works by the love of Jesus, resting in his love. One of the things I would say for my own life that the more I've allowed my mind to get renewed by His Word and the more established I become in His love and my connection with Him that I've seen increasingly greater breakthroughs. When 
going to say it one more time. The more I got my mind renewed, got my mind untwisted, sat under good teaching, heard the word preached, those walls in my mind came down. And then as I learned what it meant to abide in his love and to stay in his love, to live in his love, to know that he loves, that I saw increasingly increasing breakthrough. Can I just tell you today that in all of your impossible situations with all of your doubts, you are safe in the love of Jesus. There's no performance here. Are you tracking with me? I love what it says in 1 John 3.20. Puts it like this. For if our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart. God, God's love is so much bigger than all of our doubts. You know, I hear people talk a lot of time, you know, faith is the opposite of fear. And it is. But how do we get out of get out of fear and into faith? First John also says, perfect love casts out all fear. See, the bridge out of fear and into faith is the bridge called love. And I honestly think we'll see more miracles happen and the impossible become possible when really our hearts learn to sit in his love. You know, in Jesus' last few statements in John 13 through 17, did you know seven times he says, ask of me whatever you will and it will be granted you. And as far as final conversation goes, And whenever he repeats something, he means it. Whatever you ask of me, it'll be done for you. But the center part of that message was, abide in me. Abide in my love. Abide in me. Abide in my love. We increase our faith through intimacy. And intimacy connects me with the radical love of Jesus. When like a child, I could sit comfortable in his love. I can ask for anything. Amen. Let's all stand. Was this helpful for you this morning? You know, I think if we could keep ourselves out of that religious ditch, right? Just fall into a ditch, don't we? Thinking God's angry at me, God's holding out on me, I, I'm not holding my face right when I pray, or, you know. That is just a religious game. 
the love of God, the love of Jesus, is so much bigger than your ability to even have faith. The love of Jesus is the most powerful force in all the earth. Amen? And so here's what I feel like the Lord wants to do today. Is that I feel like He wants to deposit great faith in us. But He's asking us to connect to His love. We love you, Jesus. Root us and ground us, Lord Jesus, in your love. We love you, Jesus. Right now, let's just this is worship him. Just tell him how much you love him. We love you, Lord. Love you, Lord. We love you, Lord. We love you, Lord. love you, Jesus. And so, Father, right now, just in any place in our heart, Lord, where maybe we've put up a wall against receiving your love, Lord God, I just ask, God, walk through those walls now. Just, be, just begin to ask the Lord, Lord, come through the walls, Lord. Come through the walls. Just you, you your own voice, just say, come through the walls, Lord. Come through all of my walls that I might receive your love, Lord. You are safe in the love of Jesus. Scripture says in Romans 5 that the love of the Father is poured out through the Holy Spirit into our heart. And so the Holy Spirit wants to establish you in his love right now. And so come, Holy Spirit, establish us in love today. Establish us in your love. Teach us, Lord, what it is to live in, in love. To be abiding in your love today, God. And now just, just say with your own voice, I receive your love, Lord. I receive your love.
And so now, while standing in his love, while you're standing right there in his love, I want you to bring those impossible situations to him in prayer. Just bring those impossible situations to him. The things that you're just kind of running up against the wall with. Some of us, I think he wants to speak to you about it right now. And whatever he says, that's an impartation of faith, okay? Whatever he speaks to you in, in, your, in your heart right there, it's an impartation of faith. And so, Father, I thank you, Lord, for this overcoming faith that you are depositing within us now. Lord, this faith that overcomes the impossibilities, Lord. Jesus, we trust you. Lord, just as the dad said, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief, Lord. Lord, we're going to be honest about where our hearts are, Lord. not going to hide it from you, Jesus. And the places, God, that we struggle, we're going to be honest about it, God. And we're going to trust you, Jesus, to move. We trust you, Jesus, to move. I just have this word that's like about the Lord restoring families and the prodigal coming home. I just feel like that that's a real thing right now. So if that's you, if, you, if that's you, I, I man, this word is for you about the prodigal coming home. Do not lose faith. Keep believing. Keep believing for the prodigal to come home. Lord, minister to that heart, Lord, right now. God, this the strife, Lord, that's happening in marriages, God, where it seems like there's not going to be an end uh, to this fighting. God, we proclaim your peace, Lord, right now. The peace of King Jesus. Lord, that you are depositing overcoming faith, supernatural love that will carry through, Lord God. Lord, all things are in your hands, Lord. Thank you, Father. I just feel like there's a financial crisis for, for one. And, uh, and God, is God, you're going to rescue them by love, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for, for where you are meeting, meeting people, Lord. And I just, there's this thing about a, a sickness or some kind of a, a report of sickness or whatever, and you need someone to join with you in prayer, and you're scared. Um, I want to encourage you to come receive prayer because I really think through the laying on of hands, there's going to, see, through the laying on of hands, there's also an impartation of faith. The scripture is just loaded with that. And so, like, um, I feel like if that's you today, that the altars are open for you to receive prayer regarding that and just get an impartation of faith to overcome. That's why God sets us in a body, that we don't have to do life alone. Sometimes we need to borrow other people's faith. <laughs> I need to make a withdrawal. Amen. And so, Father, we thank you, Father, for today. God, establish us in your love. These three abide, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. Thank you, Father. We give you all the thanks and praise today. Thank you so much for listening. We hope you enjoyed it. Have a blessed day.